The following podcast is set in a quarantine New York City. As such, some of the language and much of the content is intended for mature audiences. Consider yourself warned. unfortunate events culminates on April 12th when a bomb goes off on Fulton and Dutch Street in Lower Manhattan. At first, it's suspected to be a dirty bomb, radiating 12 square blocks and blowing east into Brooklyn. A day later, media outlets report an unknown illness moving across the city. The federal government orders a full evacuation Some New Yorkers refuse to leave. The military moves in to evict them, capturing most, but not all. Not Conrad McGowan. He stays. So do you. You stay. Because you want to see what happens. Welcome to New York City. Population 107,363. This is the decline and fall of all y'all. Episode 1 I had a close call with a detail of 10 soldiers on 38th Street. I had to duck into an abandoned storefront and hobble back into the shadows as the troopers' marching boots hit the street in unison. On 36th and Park Avenue, I ran into two soldiers who must have been separated from their unit. They were pure heartland, red-headed, freckled, frightened blue eyes. Which was funny because they were clutching machine guns and I didn't have a pointed stick to pull on them. The sheer verticality of the skyscrapers was probably putting a hex on them, and that was for my good fortune because they were too spooked to take me in. They wordlessly turned me away with their rifles and took off. My right foot wasn't broken, just badly sprained, but it hurt like hell. I'd make it down a block, and then I'd feel the ground tremble from a nearby tank and go into an abandoned storefront. I also had to contend with some freaked-out, trigger-happy Lenape mercenaries running between buildings. I never knew what to expect as I ran into the shadows. Altogether, it took me 45 minutes to get below 23rd Street. I made good time after that, and 10 minutes later I was hobbling into Union Square, careful to keep my head down and not to look any fellow squatters in the eye. Even though we just suffered the most serious blow of our quarantine life, And even though it was just spring, hardly time for the harvest, the Union Square farm was already ravaged by looters. Squatters were grouped into small packs on the northern edge of the farm. 24 hours ago, these packs looked inviting. He might have strolled over to them and tried to bum some cigarettes. Now the squatters were angry knots of energy and raised voices and suspicious, narrowed eyes. Over by Broadway... A teenager was on the ground and three men were taking turns, kicking him in the ribs. As I came closer, I saw that the boy was a Lenape mercenary. A red-faced German with watering and shocked blue eyes. 
A man came sprinting full bore into the square and headed south, which prompted a few others to blindly follow. The tank rumbled in the distance, but the ground didn't tremble, so the bastards must have been pulling out by then. The pain in my foot was so intense, I could barely walk. But I got to McDonald's on the west side of the park. The years of neglect had taken their toll on the place. Most booths had already been broken apart by hooligans, but I found one intact in the back, sat down and rested my head on the table. I went out like a light. It was dark when I next awoke. A pack of about 20 squatters stood in the front, dark silhouettes shrouded in cigarette smoke, candlelight casting long shadows on the ceiling. They spoke in quick whispers, so I could not make out their words, but I could well imagine them. How many squatters are left in the city now? How long can we last if the Lenapes pull out and our aid is cut? Is the continental incursion done? Or are they coming back to repatriate the rest of us tomorrow? Or tonight? Next week? Next month? A thin young man carrying a candle came to the back looking for a friend. You seen Emil? He asked. I should have put my infamous fat head back on the table before he got a glimpse of it, but I was too tired to hide. Sure enough, he took one look at me, spun around, and went to the front. He rejoined the pack of shadows up front, and they turned to me. Their whispers died, leaving pure silence. For an awful moment, it was just a pack of shadows up front, and my tired flesh and bones in the back. A woman in a long, tattered, rat-gray coat led the shadows back to me. And as they came into sight, I could see that they were just as scared and tired as I was. This was far from a comfort to me. A smug, secure crowd is dangerous enough. A scared, tired one is pure homicide waiting for the right reason, the right body to make itself known. The woman was thin, with gray, pale skin and frostbitten blue eyes. She stepped up to me, placed her knuckles on the tabletop and leaned in, her eyes narrowing, her mouth twisting. She was a pugly. She was a little old to be running with a youth gang, but she had the trademark double-billed blue hat. Say, ain't you Conrad McGowan? Her words washed over me. I looked down at the plastic table, and my thought was simply this. How come I always knew that I'd end up sitting here? This wasn't deja vu. The murmurs of the crowd, the woman with frostbitten blue eyes... The musty smell of the old McDonald's, they were more than familiar to me. They were part of a reality that I'd spent my whole life waiting to arrive. It was as if I'd always carried the rough-hewn premonition of me sitting there, worn to the nub, with a woman with mean eyes, waiting for my terrible admission. That's right. Conrad McGowan. The acknowledgement prompted a fresh round of murmurs. Frostbite eyes held her hand up for silence and leaned in closer. She was right above me now. Mind if I ask what the fuck you're doing here? Can you tell me what you're doing here and not say in Canada like you're supposed to fucking be? My eyes went up to her and then back down to the table. Okay, forget Canada. What are you doing here? 
I said nothing. Then I got a punch in my shoulder from behind. Answer the lady. I looked up from the table, but said nothing. He punched me harder. Answer the fucking question, man. I turned to look at my assailant in the eye. He was a big man, fresh scar running down the side of his face. I turned to frostbite. Suddenly, I felt calm. That strange peace when you know you're locked into your fate, no matter how dire, came over me. The words were out of my mouth before it even occurred to me whether to say them. I'm here to explain. You have been listening to The Decline and Fall of All Y'all, written and scored by Norm Cody and read by James G. Berry. This podcast is an unlimited liability production. For more information, visit declineandfall.us, where you will also find the soundtrack for the book recorded by the quarantine band Motorsoft. We love New York City. Long live New York City.